It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Good afternoon, everyone. And I trust wherever it is, you are A, staying dry, or B, staying cool. I mean, for those of us, and particularly, I mean, I have some listeners who are up in uh, western Canada and B.C., and it is just scorching over there. Florida is getting hammered, and, you know, we're a little toasty over here in California. Anyway, what I'm going to talk about today is loss, grief, and how they impact relationships and your sex life. And what was the impetus for me to, to make this the subject is I had three people that I know in the last three days suffer huge losses. One is it was her business partner, her beloved, her, they mentored one another for 20 years, died on the 27th of July. Another just had the loss. And, and loss and grief can come from many different places. And I think what we have to become aware of is how much it can impact our relationships. When, if someone loses a child, many times that will be the end of a marriage. Or they have a child that has tremendous disabilities. That can be the end of the marriage because the relationship shifts dramatically because the kid is being taken care of and the partners aren't taking care of one another. And... Uh, another person just lost, you know, her beloved dog of 15 years. And, I mean, the rawness of this is something that until someone goes through it, and because I can't know what they're feeling. I know what I feel, but I can't know what they're feeling. But the, the loss and the grief that occurs can also occur from the loss of a relationship, the loss of a car, the loss... And what relationships often end up looking like is the loss of the anticipated future. Anyone who's gone through a divorce or ending of any long-term relationship probably is well aware of the grief stages you go through. Now, I believe it was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that 
first coined the phrases of, you know, the stages of grief, the, you know, the disbelief and the raging, the, you know, the bargaining, their, you know, the realizing that it is what it is and, you know, the acceptance. Yet when we go through things in our lives, many times people will tell us, oh, well, you just have to get over it. Well, can I point something out? You do not get over someone dying. You do not get over the end of a relationship. You learn a new coping mechanism. You learn a new skill. And in that, when you know that you have the ability to have new coping mechanisms, that is where you then start to become someone who can then be new in relationship, who can then be relatable, who can then have the feeling about themselves sexually and intimately. For many people, uh, and last week, my guests, Michael Russer and uh, Jacqueline Lopez, Michael had to deal with, first off, the loss of his you know, 20-plus year marriage and then find out you know, two months, three months later that he has prostate cancer and becomes impotent. And, you know, he went through all the phases of, and it was a, uh, for the last seven years of the marriage, um, asexual of mutual, you know, consent. But still he was looking at, okay, I'm a single guy, I'm going back out there. And all of a sudden that thing that he was identifying himself as is gone. And I think that's where when it's how you identify yourself relative to something that can help you deal with or help you work with any type of loss. So I, I remember one time uh, I was moving, and of course that's a you know, hectic, stressful thing to be doing at the best of times, and I asked the, the gentlemen who were working with the moving company, so, I mean, you must get, you know, people who are really excited about where they're moving and where they're going to, and they must be all really happy. And this guy looked at me, and he says, oh, no, not at all. And I asked him, I said, what do you mean? He said, I have had women lying in the middle of the floor, sobbing in hysterics. And I was kind of like, wow. So when I talk about the identifying, this woman so identified with this house she was being moved out of, with the relationship that was no longer there, she was absolutely broken. Now, had she suffered the death of someone, people probably would have been a whole lot more sympathetic. But her identification of herself was this life that she had, this lifestyle, and that being taken away and being changed impacted how confident she felt about herself, how, you know, and, I mean, we know that when it comes to divorce, women end up, particularly women who have, you know, maintained the children, their quality of life drops dramatically, invariably, where they are living, what they have to spend, what they are doing, and that's just, you know, uh, 
a reality if he is the one who's making the majority of the money. Understandably, if you're the one making the majority of the money, you want to also take care of yourself and not have everything, you know, go flying out the door. So when I talk about the grief relationship for many times when my my best friend lost her husband almost three years ago, and I didn't have a clue what to say, what I did tell her was, look, I can listen. I listen really well, but I can't possibly know what you're going through. And I can't know the rawness of this. I, I can't know how that feels. Yet, you know, one of the things that someone, you know, had said to her, do you think he would want you to be unhappy? And she said, no. And I said, well, because you are someone who really enjoys sharing life and doing things and having a good time. But if you don't feel that, if if there isn't a feeling within yourself that you want to be around other people, other people aren't going to show up. I mean, whether you call that law of attraction or the universe or whatever it may be. But we are. We're like a beehive. You know, a city's kind of like a beehive. And bees like to stick around one another. They like to, you know, they're a community. And so are we humans. And that's something most people are really interested in relationship for, as them, as themselves. But many times, when we know when people go into relationships, they're on their best behavior, so you don't really know who that person is 100%. But when I talk about loss and grief, so whether it's, you know, some people, if they lose their job, that's their whole identification of self. If they lose their partner, like my guest last week, if they lose a body part or uh, their body's no longer functional, the, when we do our presentation, there's five of us who do a presentation for severely injured soldiers through the Road to Recovery program. We do it every year in December in Orlando. These the service personnel, their family or their caregiver, are flown in, and what we write, what we speak to them about, and interestingly enough, it is not as much the uh, physical injuries that have occurred. It's more of the mental and the TBI, the traumatic brain injury, and the PTS, the post-traumatic stress. Those are the things that we're seeing so much more of among these soldiers to the point where they are considered to be 50, 60, 70% disabled. And when you are taking so many meds in order to deal with, because what happens is one med gives one, you know, and med, meds don't just operate in one area. So if you're taking a cocktail of a number of these different medications on a daily basis, some of them are taking 10, 15, 20 medications, you are going to be having a partner who can't be responsive or has lack of, you know, awareness on one thing or lack of sensation somewhere else. And that's really tough for the partner who wants to connect with them. So when I talk about, you know, loss and grief and sexuality and relationships, 
and sex, it isn't just about death and a partner, you know, physically dying. It is literally about all of those things that impact us on a daily basis. Now, I'm coming up to my first break. Any questions that you have, you can get a hold of me at office at loopaget.com or go onto my site, loopaget.com, and that's L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T.com. And I answer all the questions. Nobody else does. I will get back to you. Here come the tunes. Please stay with me. We'll be talking more after this break. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. With Thanksgiving upon us, Weight Watchers offers tips so you can enjoy the holiday without guilt and without a feeling as though you're competing with the turkey in the stuffed steaks. You can enjoy the celebration and still not fall off your healthy eating plan. If you are currently working towards losing weight, Remember that Thanksgiving is just one day, not a week long. They recommend that number one, you decide how much of your favorite food will satisfy you. Number two, select once a year foods. Number three, just say no when you're pressured by others to take seconds or thirds and stop when you're full. Number four, remember that all foods have benefits. And finally, number five, broaden your focus. Thanksgiving is not just about delicious food. It's about being with the people you love and being thankful for this great country that we live in. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, uh, the show today is talking about grief and its relationship to sex. Loss, grief, 
loss of relationship, loss of partner, friend, animal, whatever it may be. And I did find a very interesting blog, which, and, and as soon as I read it, I went, oh, no, it doesn't say exactly who the person is. She goes solely by the name Laura. And, but, you know, she's talking about, she starts this with, I don't have to ask if there's a relationship between sex and grief. There is. In the same way, it affects other appetites, which is true. And I always refer to your sexuality as an appetite. Sometimes you want one thing, sometimes you want another thing, you know. And sometimes when grief hits people, they don't want to eat anything at all. You know, you'll see these people who turn into, you know, they become, you know, skeletal. And, you know, they might call it the divorce diet, whatever, you know, they refer to it as. But there's also some people who, you know, they just can't, you know, the comfort comes from food and they can't stop themselves from eating. They simply can't stop, you know, drinking or whatever it is. And, you know, it's something that, and she writes this, and I totally agree with her. It is an uncomfortable, these are two uncomfortable topics for people to talk about. People don't want to talk about grief because it makes them uncomfortable. And people don't want to talk about sex in an honest way because it makes them uncomfortable. And many times, you know, we just had Donald Trump saying transgenders should not be allowed in the military. Well, I happen to know some transgenders who were in the military. One was a Navy surgeon. Another is a retired lieutenant colonel. And they served their countries honorably. And their transitions were after they were out of the military. But to tell them that their service, you know, it, by making that statement, Donald Trump doesn't have a lot of really good information around him about areas of sexuality. Uh, I'm not sure who he learned things from. I could hazard a guess. But the important thing for me is that he is influencing a lot of people with his statements. So, you know, the uncomfortable topic of sexuality and then people jumping on it without really knowing what it is they're talking about, um, because we don't get good information. Physicians don't. Therapists don't. Only when you are truly in an area of sexual health education are you likely to get the umbrella overview of sexual health and you know, its impacts across the board. Now, let's return back to sexuality and grieving and loss. Now, there's also, you know, this woman writes about having seen it in movies, and she refers to the movie High Fidelity, where the, there's a couple who are estranged, at least physically, and then they come together again after the father dies. And she's also seen and heard, and I've heard this from other people, not as many as, as she refers to, where they are, you know, asking if it's normal or is it okay that they're, you know, going around and, you know, bouncing on anything they possibly can after their favorite relative died. And I'm going to comment here on when people were being put into the trains to go to the death camps. They knew they were on their way to 
something. And majority of them, when they went to the death camp, it was like literally 20 minutes from when the train arrived. They got up the train, and they were literally killed. And But they didn't know that. They just knew that people weren't coming back. So their life-affirming thing to do was have sex up against the wall of the railway car. And that's something for some people that that it affirms that they are alive, that there still is, you know, that. The other part of it is the pleasure component of it, looking for a form of pleasure. Because I'm sure that we've seen more than enough people who when they go through a loss, they literally just shut down. They have no reaction, no emotion, and they are, they're kind of like, they take in food, but that's about it. And again, this is how they are dealing with it. Now, and whether someone is wanting to, you know, have sex all the time to reaffirm who they are or uh, be considered to be highly attractive so that people, it's kind of like it's life-affirming, there still is life, or someone like totally shuts down, both of those, I've seen both of them occur. And what I've also seen is when people come through the other end of this and they often have a much softer heart. They often are much more aware of their own emotions and things. I mean, we've seen them in movies. You know, the doctor who's the complete idiot who has an accident and then turns into the patient and the patients that he used to treat are, you know, so badly. Harrison Ford did a great one. And all of a sudden he realizes, wow, I have been a real dick. And there are times when people go through loss that, and, and go through grief that they, and grief isn't just, again, about having someone who dies. It, it, it isn't. And so many times people will not talk about the grief that they're feeling about the loss of a job or the loss of that home or, you know, the foreclosure that they experienced or the business failures that occurred. And yet they are as impactful to people often as a death of a family member. Apparently the, the highest level thing is death of a spouse. Then, you know, the uh, divorce, loss, um, house, moving, loss of a job, child. All of these things have different layers of how people interpret them and the other part of it and how they react or are trying to keep their feelings shoved down. The more you try to keep something shoved down, the more it's going to keep percolating back up. Can't help that. So there are times for some people that it energizes them. It has them go, I am going to live life to the fullest. I am going to have as much sex as I can. I am going to uh, make sure that everything I do has uh, a reason for it. It could also be sometimes it's a distraction. I don't want to have to think about what happened. It 
could also be, I want to get as much out of this as I possibly can. I've got to hang on. This world doesn't last forever. You know, the, the people who walk around saying, you know, no one's promised tomorrow. Um, true. We aren't. Yet, there are others who engage in very reckless behaviors. And whether that is cheating or having sex with multiple partners, because they think life is, has no meaning, is short. But what I do know is that in all of these cases, it makes sense that people act this way. Because when they are dealing with their innermost fragile and vulnerable parts of themselves, they aren't really sure. Chances are they've never walked this road before. Chances are this is the first time it's ever hit them like this. And for many people, I know for me, I started looking at what was happening in my life when I was 22 and my mother died. Prior to that, all of a sudden, I, wanted to ha I started asking those, the universal questions of, why am I here? Where did I come from? What does this mean? And that also ties back into when someone is in that state of mind, there is a vulnerability that the last thing they should be doing is being in new relationship, but being in a relationship that supports them can be highly beneficial. I think of a friend of mine who had lost her mother, was writing a journal entry to her mother, and she ended up going back and looking after her while she died of cancer, and ended up seeing this person driving down the street, and she just, he sort of waved, and she just sort of waved, and she really didn't think anything of it. But he was like this, oh, my God, that's the woman I'm going to marry. And they did. But the thing is, she was so vulnerable at the time when she met him, she didn't put into place really good boundaries on what she needed because she was so fragile at that point. This woman, Laura, writes about that, you know, it can affect you one way or the other, you know, differently at another time or depending on the person. And, but again, I don't believe anyone has truly studied it. And she uses herself as an example that she had been dealing with fertility for, infertility for seven years, and then within six months of the death of her father-in-law, she's pregnant. And she was kind of like, wow. This was not at all what she expected. Now, there's the same thing that happens when people are not able to conceive. They uh, make a decision to adopt, and then they get pregnant. And that happens all the time. Anyway, the grief of not being able to conceive, that's, that's over. And then, boom, their body goes like this. Okay, we're ready. Now, coming up to my next break, when I come back, I'm going to continue about sex and grieving and possible solutions for you and ways that you might be able to help someone else because people don't go through this grieving process by themselves. Please stay with me. I'll be right back. Sex Talk 
with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Resolutions don't work if a person is a mess. That's someone who clings to a bad habit. 88% of Americans make at least one New Year's resolution. And 80% of those folks fail by January 20th due to the dislike and fear of change. What's the word for the fear of change? Kynatophobia. With quite a few related to losing weight, at least you don't have to lose as much weight this year to be average as 66% of Americans are now considered to be overweight. Don't feel bad if you don't keep your New Year's resolution. It's hard to be flaskustable. That means changeable, from an old French word meaning to bend. If you're celebrating at a New Year's party, try not to get carried away. In fact, try to leave without any help at all. It's marching Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. In your quest to be more active, lose weight, and or eat a healthy diet, you need to chart your course. Having a plan is the way to go. The old adage, fail to plan and plan to fail, holds true. In order to reach your goal, you need to have a specific strategy. Don't just say, I will exercise more. Instead say, I will walk for at least 30 minutes, seven days a week, and then do it. Don't say, I will eat more fruit and vegetables. Instead, set the goal of having at least one to two vegetables or fruit at each meal. Write your goals down and post your outline where you can see it. Every day, review it and make a plan of how you will incorporate those strategies that day. Chart your course and you will reach your destination. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Very funny. I tried to pick up my mouse instead of the phone. Oh, well. Um, so today, the conversation that I'm having is about grief and sex. Because I just had three people that I know suffer just, as the one woman put it, my heart is just fractured. It, my heart is not even there anymore. I can feel nothing. And for them, they are in those very beginning phases. So when I you know, talk about how does grief impact your sex life. For some people, they turn into, you know, romping bunnies. For others, it's like, uh, no, I want nothing more to do with it. Let's say you have a partner who suffered a really tremendous loss. If the person is male and they've had a really bad business loss, chances are the stress and the cortisol that occurred as a result of 
the uh, impact of the business, you know, problems, the stress of that, cortisol works in direct opposition to testosterone. So trying to pressure your partner for sex when they've just gone through this, not a smart idea, not smart at all. And it may be something that will make them have the feeling of you don't even really have any idea of what it is I'm going through. Yet, what they also have to know is that this loss has impacted you as well. They're not going through this loss by themselves. This is, you know, this is a, a shared experience where, to use the soldiers, the soldier may have been the one who had the physical injury, yet they are also a, you know, they're also, you know, th- their partner are also dealing with all of this, as is the family. So, you know, please, you know, be aware that it doesn't happen, you know, as an isolated incident. So, when my friend went through this, when my friend Sherry went through this, um, and I said to her, how can I help you? And so what we did is, she happens to live in another area of the country, but what she did is... Um, she said, I'm going to be reading these books. And I said, okay. So I said, well, I'll read them with you. And what she did is she spoke to a number of widows. And she, you know, she went to a bereavement group, and then she was like, okay, this is not really for me. Then she, and for people who are going through a loss of another kind, the relationship, job, whatever it may be, there's always... Find a good bereavement therapist or grief therapist, a good one, not someone who's going to keep you locked into that. But what she did is she started reading uh, books. And one of the first that she read, and this was recommended to her by these other women, is the, a book by Neil Donald Walsh, <clears throat> excuse me, entitled... When everything changes, change everything. And the the subtitle of it is, In a Time of Turmoil, A Pathway to Peace. And I had ordered, her husband died in January 2014. So my little note in here is that I started reading it with her in September of 2014. And it's the mental and spiritual basis of change, and the first part of the book deals with one section, and then you go through the changes, and and you can read one chapter at a time, but we talked about things that, and how that felt for her. Now, I know having gone through my own losses of both of my parents, um, my brother, that, that wasn't as much of an impact for me. Um, I knew my brother, but, you know, I wasn't really close to him. My parents were a different matter altogether, uh, particularly my dad. And when I ended my marriage, that was also a big, huge change. But think about this. We deal with change every time we end a school year, every time we change a job, every time we do something different. We have the ability to make these changes. And when we have something that helps us guide it, all the more, you know, all the more better 
for us. So the book is When Everything Changes, Change Everything. The other book that uh, she read is by Dr. Henry Cloud. And he is an author of, it's called Boundaries and Integrity, but it's called Necessary Endings. And the employees, businesses, and relationships that all of us have to give up in order to move forward. And what this book, uh, the gentleman by the name of Tom Rath says, this book will challenge you to put a stop to things that have been getting in your way for a long time. And, you know, some of the things that had been occurring in her life and in my life were things that weren't, necess- weren't serving us, like at all. So the other book that I found really helpful for me is by Master Charles Cannon. And the title of it is Forgiving the Unforgivable. And it's a story of these were survivors of the Mumbai terrorist attack who were in the hotels that were uh, being attacked by the, uh, this is 2008, by the Pakistani Muslim terrorists. Now, the thing that one has to understand about this, the young men who were doing the attacking on these hotels, they had been sold into these organizations by their families as little boys in order to pay for their daughter's dowries and marriage. So these little boys were sold into these things like they were, you know, nothing. And young minds are highly, highly impressionable. And it was only the one survivor who said that this is what had happened. But this Master Charles Cannon, what he talks about is how people can go through something that is, and they were, they were from a, um, were they a Buddhist group? Let me think. Um, a leader of the Synchronicity Foundation for Modern Spirituality. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he was there with 24 of his international associates. And during the ensuing 45-hour siege, four in the group were wounded and two were killed. And this story is about how they looked at things not from a, a place of hatred, but from a place of love. And for many people, they're like, wow, how is that even possible to do? And, you know, this is, again, it was their training to do this. But what Sherry and I did was I, when she was reading these books, I was reading these books, and it was not for me to say, well, what do you feel about this? I listened. That was my best skill set. All I did was listen. And for her to have someone, one of the worst things you can do is use all of those platitudes of everything happens for a reason, you'll be fine in time, well... Soon you'll be on your own and you'll, you know, your world will change. When you are so raw that just putting one foot in front of the other is painful, the last thing you want to hear 
if someone, even though they may mean to have the best of intentions, saying something that is incredibly, stupidly dumb. Your job when you're dealing with anyone going through stuff like this is to listen, be supportive. Now, if they start doing the wah factor and it's like, wah, 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 okay, fine. You know, time to hit the BS meter and go, get over it. You know, get over your bad self. Um, if it's something, the end of a relationship, what was their part in it? If it was the ending of a job, did they leave or were they fired? And what was their part in that? One of the biggest things that changes everything for people is when they take responsibility. And that, when you take responsibility and go, you know what? This was my part in it. This was my part in it. At which point, there isn't anything to say that it's happening all over there. It, this is a shared thing in every relationship we have, whether it's sexual, whether it's job, we have two parts to it. Relationships don't occur by themselves. They occur because there's other people involved, right? Now, the other thing that can make a huge difference for people is how grateful they are for their entire, you know, for their entire life. Are they grateful? Are they happy? Are they grateful that they had that relationship? Are they grateful that they are, you know, healthy right now? Because the more gratitude that you have about anything, the more gratitude that is going to come back. And, gra- and here's the thing. Your heart has so many nerve endings in it. When, you know when they talk about people dying of a broken heart? They're not joking. That truly does happen. They literally drop dead. I mean, the person who, together with their partner for X number of years, or someone finding out that something happened, and the person just goes like this, I'm done. And they do. And when you are grateful, that comes into your heart, and it's healing, and it's nurturing. Now, you don't have to be aware of it. You just have to know that you're doing it. Now, we're coming up to the final break. We have about another 20 seconds here. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about things that you can do physically and on a daily basis to help yourself with grief and to help anyone else and to get relationship and sexuality back into your life. Here come the tunes. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. walked into a room on a mission to get something and totally forgot what you went in there for? 
I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total sieve head, as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Nucleptia. So, what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. That spare tire that many Americans carry around their middle is not only unsightly, it is also dangerous. Abdominal obesity increases your risk of stroke, heart attack, diabetes, and more. Some call it the middle-aged spread, or a beer belly, or muffin top. But the truth is, no matter what you call it, it is just fat. Harvard Medical School says that the culprit is calories. If you take in more calories in food and drink than you burn up with exercise, you'll store excess energy in fat cells. They state that the risk begins to mount at a waist size above 37 inches for men, and a measurement above 40 inches would put you in the danger zone. For women, the corresponding waist sizes are 31 and a half and 35 inches. Exercise is the key to shrinking that belly and dissolving the fat. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, the show today is about sex and grieving and relationships. And when someone goes through a loss, there are many things that become reminders of what it, it, it's tough to watch and be around. Everyone else is leaving for work. You don't have a job. Uh, you are driving by the old street where your house was on, that after your divorce and everything, you had to move, and that's changed. Uh, every single thing that you walk into the house reminds you of your spouse that has just died. When I have worked with people who are dealing with this, this is... It's almost like baby steps to a certain extent, but it's also things that you do when someone is going through business turmoil. Um, You have them do one new thing a day, just one, whether it is uh, changing where they buy their coffee or if they are someone changing sort of the time they leave for work. Maybe they can't do that because they've got little kids that are in school and they need to get them to school at XYZ time. Or maybe they can. But the one thing that this does is it changes the brain patterning. That's why it is suggested for people. It ha- 
has their brain shift how it's functioning. And that's a powerful tool because your thoughts control everything. So if you, and there are little things that you can do, one and one small thing a day. It could be have a piece of fruit. This is not about piling a whole bunch of things on at one time. If you drive to work, it could be something where you listen to some uh, a personal, you know, development, evolvement CD. Listen to something where it talks about things that you can do versus listening to the trash talk of news, which is not news to begin with, it's absolute crap, and, not, and feeling badly about yourself just because you're listening to this made-up nonsense. So changing that one thing that you can do will be really powerful. The other thing that you can do is, whether it's something that you are, because whatever you put your attention on, your brain focuses on. So it could be something as simple as doing um, a meditation in the morning. The more that people do meditation, the more that they end up becoming, um, it's a different vibrational level that they develop. About. There's a reason why when people are around someone who is a very studied yogi, <laughs> they're like, whoa. And they say, this person's really Zen. Well, they are Zen because that's their energy. They have spent a great deal of time, so much of their life, being able to change their vibrational level. I have, um, so when my friend was going through this, I didn't, and here's the thing, she could not even go into the cupboard where his clothes were for almost two years. Um, she felt that she was throwing him away. She felt that she was being disloyal to him. And I said, no, no, that's not what's happening here. Um, you're not going to be able to wear these clothes. And yet, she said, I realize it sounds irrational, but she said, I literally do not feel that I can throw his clothes away. I said, I, listen, you have to do what you're comfortable with. Um, were there people that were interested in her afterwards? Yeah, there were a couple of people that were schooling around very quickly thereafter. She wasn't interested. But she was interested in building her life the way the two of them had talked about. I mean, they had really terrific plans. They were going to do a lot of stuff. And now, all of a sudden, all of the dreams that she had that the two of them had talked about and she said, when they met one another, she said, how did we ever meet one another? Because they were both very unique individuals, to put it mildly. And in they, their click was there, and then all of a sudden, he was gone. They had 10 phenomenal years together. And But what helped for her also was being open to when people said, listen, why don't you consider, because she lives by herself, and she has a very busy, busy life, 
They said, why don't you get a pet? And she resisted this big time. And finally, this person said to her, so then she started researching dogs, the type that she would want. And sure enough, she settled on a Japanese chin. It's not yappy, does not shed, smart. And she went up, and originally she was going to get, and this is one of the things that's really sweet. And Now, this is a woman who was around animals, you know, growing up, but never really, like I'm a total animal person. I, I just am, period. You know, I grieve for my animals more than I do people. And when she said she was going to go get this dog, I was like, are you kidding me? And so her friend drove her up. And she got, she thought she was getting this female. They had a litter. And when they talk about the animals choosing you, they're not joking. So she gets there, and there's this little guy, and he's like this, hey, (laughs) that is now her puppy. And what it has done for her is, and she finally said, she said, he makes me laugh. And... She said, I needed to start laughing again. Because with her husband, she had laughed all the time. But she said, I needed to laugh. And this little puppy totally cracks her up. And as most animals, he is completely reliant on her. He's super smart. She takes him to her office. He runs around with everybody. He's incredibly well socialized. But what it has done for her is it's given her something that is there in the house with her that um, she, you know, it, you know, getting a cat is one thing. Dogs are tend to, well, I mean, I've had cats that have been highly interactive and others that have been kind of like, you know, the doobie cats. They spend the whole time, you know, sitting on the couch smoking. Go <laughs> to like this, I'm, I'm just going to zone out, and they do. But... This little guy keeps her engaged and makes her heart smile. Meditation is something many times people think, oh, I've got to you know, go into an own position and you know, get some incense and do something else. No, no. Actually, when you are in a meditative state, most people can understand a meditative state because that's what happens when you're in the shower and you close your eyes, you are literally going inside and being about feeling. And what actually happens for people when they're in the shower, all of the energetic stuff that's gotten stuck onto you washes off. That's why people have this amazing feeling of like, oh, I feel so refreshed after a shower. Well, you should. But with any time that you're doing something that can... You know, if you are someone going through this yourself, have someone who can be a uh, a daily, you know, backup for you. Someone who will call you and say, "Hey, what you doing? Just check in." I am. I do that with a person. I've done it with her for four years, almost five. Oh dear! I have another person who. They are dealing with um, 
um, the end of a tremendously awful relationship. And the one person they want to talk to is me because they can bounce things off of me. And that's, that's helping in their healing process. That's helping in the grief of what they're going through. Now, sometimes you end up, you know, dealing with someone who's really angry, and, you know, that's okay too, you know. There's not much that you can't change what they're feeling. What you can do is be aware that they do want to be around people. They're hurt. It's like, you know, wounded, injured animals. They'll strike out, yet they really want to be around other people, majority of people. And sometimes it's, you know, a little easier for other people. Sometimes, you know, not. But whatever it is that someone is going through, remember how you dealt with stuff. Remember what you did and the things that made you feel the best. I had a friend of mine who called up and he knew that my mother had died and he said, I, 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 just, I just found out that, you know, my, my father just died. And I said, okay, where are you? And he told me, I said, okay, um, what, uh, what type of alcohol do you have in the house? And he told me, I said, which is your favorite? He said, the scotch. I said, okay, can you pour yourself a little scotch? And while you and I are on the phone, you're going to have a sip of that scotch, okay? There's a reason why they call it an anesthetic because that's really, you know, it's something but I wanted him to keep talking, and I wanted him to know someone was there. So when you have someone or yourself who goes through grief, a loss, end of a relationship, it is going to impact their sex life. It is going to, whether positive, negatively, but really the important thing is this is a process one goes through, and you can help people get to the other side of it. So any questions, you can find me at office at loupaget.com. L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T dot com. And whatever you do this week, be kind to yourself. Lots of people are leaving the planet. Take care. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 